I'm very excited for Super Bowl. You know, um, you know, a lot of Super Bowl parties going on today. Very excited. I know the campus is. Uh, uh, we're going to be celebrating a Super Bowl party, as is our custom at the Anderson home. And so, I hope you guys have a. Everybody here has a great afternoon and evening, and hopefully, you're able to find a, a fun place to watch the Super Bowl. Or if you're like not into watching Super Bowl, find a great place to watch commercials or uh, even a halftime show, or just a place just to have a great time of fellowship. And that's what I think about, there's going to be a lot of great football, but also a lot of great fellowship. You know, I'm a Falcons fan. I am not a bandwagon Falcons fan, as many people are right now. Um, I grew up, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. You know, we used to, we, you know, I'm one of those fans that we would go to the games even when we weren't that good, because like, John Elway was coming to town. And I'm like, so if my team's not going to be good, I'm going to go watch a good team play or something like that. But the, Atlanta's just kind of set me up growing up in Atlanta. Uh, to, they, they've helped me with my heart of surrender. We've won one championship. 1995 is at Atlanta Braves, not football. Uh, my team's only been to the Super Bowl one other time in which they lost uh, back in 98. And... Um, you know, but I've stayed a tried and true fan, okay? And uh, but they they always have tended to get my hopes high, and just demolish them. And so, I just I've just learned to cope with that. Anyways, so I'm excited this year for them to be in the Super Bowl, and uh, you know I put this cup up here, you know because back in 2012 I bought that cup. Uh, Atlanta was looking pretty good. They went to the NFC Championship game. That's the game right before the Super Bowl. And if you win that game, you go to the Super Bowl. So I bought the cup. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'm getting my Falcons gear. I was looking for Falcons gear out in California. There wasn't much. This is what I found. And, um, and but I made a vow with myself. I said, I'm not gonna drink out of my cup until they make the Super Bowl. I am going to will my team to the Super Bowl. And I, you know, um, obviously they didn't make it that year. Cup went into a box. Didn't drink out of it. I'm drinking out of it today, though. I'm very excited that I get to drink out of my cup today. I had actually forgotten about the vow that I had made until Lashane and I were in the process of moving last summer. And I was like, oh my gosh, my, my, I remember that. You know, and so I'm excited I get to drink out of my Falcons Cup today. And to be honest with you guys, that, that's my prize. Okay, this is my prize for my team making it to the Super Bowl today is I'm going to drink out of this cup. Now, uh, Michael mentioned the um, Whole30 diet or Whole30 meal plan, as it's called. I keep calling it a diet. Um, but Lashane and I are doing the same thing or I, I'm doing it. She's kind of doing a variation of it because she's pregnant. So I'm going to be drinking water out of my Falcons Cup today. But I'm very excited about drinking out of my Falcons cup. That's my prize to myself. I want to ask you this morning a question. What's your prize? And we're going to, that's, that's the one point for the sermon. That's the one question for the whole sermon. That's the title of the sermon is, what is your prize? Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be there the entire time. Think, uh, think, 
We're going to learn something from Paul. I think God has something for us this morning from this. Um, before we dive into the scriptures, please uh, let's uh, bow with me as we pray. God, we, uh, we're so grateful to be here. And uh, humbly, God, we, we, we sit at your feet. We thank you for your words, for your scriptures, and how they can work so powerfully in our lives. Open, help us have open hearts to receive uh, the message today. Please speak through me, God. Take me out of the way um, in the process. And, uh, you know, help the lesson today to resonate on our hearts. In the name I pray, amen. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to read to verse 14. You know, I got the new 2011 Bible. Been saw my preacher got one. I was like, I'm going to imitate him. So the Bible bookstore has a lot of good Bibles back there. I'm just or our Bible bookstore. Just that's my plug for the bookstore back there. Anyways, I'm fired up for this thing. Actually, nothing like getting a new Bible. I just I was like, I got it, and I just started reading from the beginning. I was like, wow, okay, this is. I just got excited. Just wanted to share that with you guys. Verse one. Further. My brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again. It's a safeguard for you. Just watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. You know, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, and as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that is which through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead, from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, I've been spending some time studying this passage out and I've kept coming back to it. And, you know, it's really cool to see how Paul addresses the congregation in the church of Philippi. You know, he spent some time encouraging them in the beginning of it and giving them some direction. And then and he starts here, he's like, my brothers and sisters, rejoice. It's a safeguard for you. And then he gives them this little warning, you know, and, and you can uh, tell that there was something going on in the church. There was some persecution going on in the church a little bit. He says, watch out for those dogs. 
Watch out for those evildoers. You know, he's telling them, like, there's some people in our church right now or in our city that you got to watch out for. We're not going to get into all of that, but he's like, it's, it's amazing how sometimes when there's a little persecution or a little oppression or, you know, somebody really deflates you and it can disrupt our confidence. And Paul looks at them and he says, we are the ones that serve God. We. I mean, he, tell, he reminds them of their confidence, but then he, of where they need to have their confidence, but he doesn't stop there. And I think there's something here, and I've been spending some time studying it out, and it's, it's really kind of hit home for me. You know, especially as I think about, you know, my role as a father, it hits home for me as I think about just the society that we live in, the city that we live in. Because Paul spends some time talking about the things that he could have confidence in. And you're like, you know, if you read this list, you're kind of like, and you don't really know history or, or, or don't really have a good understanding of the Bible, you're like, okay, circumcised on the eighth day. Paul, I don't know why you're proud about that. Um, a Hebrew of Hebrews, okay, a tribe of Benjamin, don't, okay, what do these things mean? But when you really get down to what it means, it can have a profound impact on us. When he says he was part of the tribe of Benjamin, you know, he's talking, you know, the tribe of Benjamin, if you don't know, they were like the father's darling. You know, Benjamin was the youngest son of Judah, but he, his tribe settled Jerusalem. Like Paul went way back, his his family heritage went way back, and he's like, yeah, I come from that group, the ones that settled Jerusalem, you know, and the, Jeru- the, the Jews, like, that's where, they, that's, that's where their hometown was. That's where they built the temple. That's my tribe. You know, he tells them, you know, I was a Pharisee. You know, when we read the Bible, Pharisee gets uh, knocked a lot. But you know what? Pharisees back in the day, they were respected. Paul was trained by the, you know, what, they, what many say is like the, the most honorable, the best Pharisee of the first century. That was his trainer. And it says that as he lived according to the law, he was faultless when it came to the law. I mean, he could say that with confidence. Yeah, I've obeyed all of it. I've done all of it. I understand all of it. I have mastered it. You know, so he's looking at his family heritage. He's looking at his knowledge. He's looking at his role in society. He was a respected man in society, and he was leading the charge. Like, he was persecuting the church because he thought that's what was right. And he was leading the charge for it. It says he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. You know, he was like native Israelite. He was through and through a native of that country. You know, so when you read that and you understand that he's talking about more than just accomplishments. He's talking about some deep stuff. And, and I think of Paul, you know, I was thinking, I was like, man, Paul is like the Christian Jason Bourne. <laughs> really? I mean, he's like skilled at all the languages. He's smarter than you. He can get 
flipped in a car 30 times and still run faster than you. I mean, Paul is just an amazing guy. And then he tells him and he's like, and I, and I look at all of that stuff. I look at all of those accomplishments. I look at my traditions. I look at my family background and I and I look at Jesus and that's garbage. I mean, when you think about that, let that hit home for a second. That's what he's saying is garbage. Now, don't get me wrong. Paul used his birthright to further the gospel. Paul used his knowledge to further the gospel. Paul used his skill to further the gospel. He used his grit to further the gospel. But when he looked at knowing Christ, when he looked at having a relationship with God, and he looked at those things, that's what he called it. He said, it's no good. It's in my trash can at home. It's garbage compared to knowing Christ, compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. He said, that's all that mattered to me. You know, our country needs more people like that. Our kids need more people like that. Your school, your classmates, your coworkers, they need more people like that, that, that you're saying, man, I'm so focused on knowing Christ. My perspective is that I want to know him so deeply that I can look back and say that stuff is garbage. I'm going to use my skills to further that. That's what he's talking about. When you get down deep to it, you're like, wow, that's, that's inspiring. That's challenging. You know, when I drink out of my cup today, I'm still going to be thirsty tomorrow. Paul understood that. The things that are prizes to us, if it's not Christ, you're still going to be thirsty later on. It's not going to fill you up. It's, it's not going to complete you at all. Guys, I'm going I'm to need some water on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday. The cup today isn't going to fill me up. What's your prize right now? You know, um, I'm going to... Post a video on my Facebook page. You guys go look at it. It's about a minute and a half video. It's an interview that was done on Tom Brady about 12 years ago. You know, you got to respect your competition. Tom Brady, he's the quarterback of the New England Patriots. And at the time of the video, he had just won his third Super Bowl. He was on the way to win his fourth Super Bowl. He had been... He's already a lock for the Hall of Fame. Just signed a 10-year, $60 million contract. And he's getting interviewed for 60 minutes. And so it's a long interview, but I want to read to you a very small portion. But I think it, I mean, I'm like, wow, this is deep right here from Tom Brady. Um, the guy that's interviewing, he says, This whole experience, this whole upward tra trajectory... What have you learned, Mr. Brady, about yourself? What kind of an effect does it have on you? And here's his response. Listen to this. He says, well, I put incredible amounts of pressure on me. When you feel like you're ultimately responsible for everyone and everything, even though you have no control over it and you still blame yourself if you think things don't go right. 
I mean, there's just a lot of pressure. A lot of times I think I get very frustrated and introverted. And there's times where I'm not the person that I want to be. He said, why do I have three Super Bowl rings? And still think there's something greater out there for me. I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think, God, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. What else is there for me? The gentleman asked him this question. He said, what's the answer? He said, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Tom Brady. Matt Ryan speaking. Jesus is the answer to what you're looking for. Three Super Bowl rings, $60 million in the bank, a beautiful wife and kids. And he's like, there's got to be more. You know, maybe the question we should ask is not what's your prize, but is it the right prize? You can tell what your prize is. You know how you can tell? By what you're willing to sacrifice for it. You know, there's many people that have given up so much of their lives. They'll sacrifice their bodies. They'll sacrifice their families. They'll sacrifice relationships for nothing more than an empty cup. Have you picked the right prize? Paul says the only prize that's worth anything is knowing Christ Jesus and my Lord is learning about him. He says, learning about the power of his resurrection. Brothers and sisters, there is power in his resurrection. That's what makes this all possible. Nobody else can say they've done that except for our Lord. You know, I like to think about it. My prize made your prize. You know, my prize made the gold that makes your prize. You know, my prize, like, you know, came up with that first. Because my prize is God. That's what we can take confidence in. You know, when you're feeling, if you're feeling beat down, if you're feeling persecuted, if you ever get that feeling, it's like, you know, have confidence in what your prize is. That's what Paul is telling them. That's, that's how, that was Paul's perspective. He's like, it's not about all that other stuff back there, even though those are good things, even though those things might mean a lot to us. But really, when I compare it to knowing Christ, when I compare it to building a deeper relationship with Christ, man, that's all garbage. This is my prize. He says it's something that I'm working toward. He said, I haven't obtained it yet. I'm pressing on. I'm moving forward. I'm forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead. What's your prize? The ultimate prize is imitating Jesus Christ, our Lord. Focusing on Him. Focusing on how He responded. Focusing 
on his faith, his unconditional love, focusing on his life, and focusing especially in on how he died. And Paul's saying, that's my prize. You know, last Sunday, a gentleman by the name of Ron Hill lives in the United Kingdom. He woke up and he did nothing. You might be like, what's the point of this? Like, yeah, he did nothing. And it was actually very rare for him. You know, that day, Ron, all he did was hang out with his wife and his family. But it was special because at the age of 78, it's the first time that Ron Hill had done nothing athletic in 52 years and 39 days. Ron Hill was the world record holder for consecutive days running. He had ran at least one mile a day every day for 52 years and 39 days. He said, the closest I ever came to quitting was when I have my, had my sternum cracked in a car accident. Luckily, I had ran that morning. The next day, he got up and he ran. And he continued to run and he continued to run. I follow this because it, uh, I was trained actually in high school by the number seven guy on that list right now, Richard Westbrook. I think he's number six now. But um, Ron Hill stopped running. He had many accomplishments. He had made the Olympics three years. He uh, actually had set the, uh, uh, he'd won the Boston Marathon, actually held the marathon world record at one time. You know, he had the ability to average about four minutes and 46 seconds per mile for 26 miles. That's crazy, okay? Most of us can't even run one lap that fast. I don't even want to tell you how many laps he was doing, but it's a lot, okay? But um, it's estimated, you know, the, for the first 50 years, Ron Hill re- averaged about seven miles a day, um, which if you put it all together, Ron ran five laps around the circumference of the earth. That's about how much he ran in that 52 years and 39 days span, um, about 130,000 miles. That's kind of the estimate. But on January 28th, last Saturday, not yesterday, but a week from yesterday, he woke up and he ran his last mile. He said, at less than 400 meters, my heart started to hurt. He says, and over the last 800 meters, the problem just got worse and worse. I thought I might die. He said, I just made it to the mile mark. It took me 16 minutes and 34 seconds. Keep in mind, he used to run four of those that fast. And he said, there was no other option for me but to stop. And he said, because I owed that to my wife. I owe that to my kids. I owe that to my family. When push came to shove, Ron's prize was not the 52-year streak. His prize was sitting at home. His prize was his family, was his friends. It was his own life, even. It was his wife. You know, when I thought about that, I was like, that is very powerful. 
that he just said, okay, I'm done. I care about my family. That's my true prize. What's your prize? Is it the right prize? Don't let it be an accomplishment. Those are cool. Don't let it be a degree. Those are good. Even looking back at your background, you know, I went to, uh, when I went to junior high school, our football coaches played football with my dad. And my dad was a state title uh, MVP for Jonesboro High School. He played linebacker. And they're like, oh, you're Joel Hawkins, son? You're playing linebacker. Look at me. I am not a linebacker. In that moment, I lost all pride in my family heritage because I was like, man, I just didn't get the build, I guess. I'm going to stick to running. You know, what's our prize? If it's an empty cup, guess where you'll end up? Empty. If it's like what Paul tells us, if it's just knowing Christ, if it's aiming heavenward, man, that's something that you can work at the rest of your life and stay filled. So ask the church this morning to think about that. Ask you to think about that for yourself. I ask the young people to, to really think about that. The things that we go after, they're not terrible. They're actually good. And the goal is that we want to use it to really further the real prize, to make the real prize known on this earth. Let's not be going after an empty cup that we're just going to need to keep filling and keep filling. Let's go after that real prize, knowing Christ, our Lord. Amen. We're going to stand up and close in one final song.